Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios. This is Old School. Brought to you by Sand Hills Global. Broadcasting veteran Derek Pearson. When you find something that moves, that, that makes them smile, celebrate it. That's your task. That's your superpower. Nebraska Football Hall of Famer, Jay Foreman. Rifles a pass. It was tipped. It's picked off by Foreman. He's at the 15, 10, 5. He'll score! On 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. That's funny. That's funny. Welcome back. Second hour of Old School on this wonderful Tuesday here in Lincoln. 93.7 Ticket to TicketFM.com. Who's our sponsor? Sand Hills Global. Hundreds of job opportunities from Sand Hills Global here at their global headquarters. That is the global headquarters here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Head to SandHills.jobs and apply for any of the hundred job opportunities that they have available. Again, that's SandHills dot job sand hills global apply today who can talk to us you anybody can honda of lincoln hotline starter Heyman text line 402-464-5685 oh and by the way starter Heyman also the live video stream facebook youtube twitch and twitter hop on there see dp and jay foreman's beautiful faces and uh leave a comment drumstick it was a drumstick 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 drumstick, drumstick. drumstick. Here's the here's the preface of the I gave you a Cliff Notes version. So somebody asked me why there's not a lot of African Americans playing baseball, and what my thoughts were. My my thoughts were, so say like my my age, I couldn't afford to play. My dad said we couldn't afford to play baseball, right? So he gave me a basketball and a football, which is preferably the cheaper ones or the ideally the cheaper ones that you can go play. So what would I norm? What would the what would be the habit of me if I'm you know if I have a son? What what would he, what would I pass down to him? Football or basketball? So essentially, that's what I was talking about. Now we understand everybody had, is priced. This is not just solely for minorities. The question I was asked and I replied to was about minorities, but I do think a lot of youth sports, not only just baseball, every one of them. Um, Seven on seven is blowing up now where they're traveling all over the places. You need sponsorships and stuff like that and scholarships for, you know, people that need it. And same same with basketball. I think youth sports in general, since it's really, really grown, has priced a lot of people out of it. And that's why you see kids, which is great, if they get in the right situation, come high school to where they don't have to be held back by that situation. People are like, man, where did he come from? Well, he was just waiting in the wings, and now you see him as a ninth grader. Next thing you know, you get this kid that by the time he's a senior, he's a pretty heck, he's he's a heck of a player. Because, you know, he's playing basketball or football or baseball right after school. However many days they got um, practice, he's lifting weights and all that other stuff. And now he's getting the reps that he finally need. And he had the potential all along. He wasn't just able to uh, uh, show it just because of other issues. We didn't have 7-on-7. We didn't have um, We didn't have travel ball per se. We had 
um, Babe Ruth, which would take you at least regionally. But I never played seven on seven or regional ball or AAU basketball. But I got seen just because they were scouting other players, and if you could beat up on the players that that, that they were coming to look for. But from a price, from a, from a money standpoint, financial standpoint, I didn't. We were poor. I didn't, I couldn't have done any of the stuff that um, folks were doing. My teammates were doing. I couldn't do that stuff. I couldn't go to camps. I didn't have that money. So I get it all. Um, CJ says this up, guys. Uh, driving through Wyoming right now. Can't get the what up with that song out of my head. I hate you, and I love you for that, Rico. You're welcome. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the get down. Um, a couple of things that we were talking about, and 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 this is across the board, but specific to high schools, student athletes, and coaches, and parents, and teachers. And Jay made a statement that it, it's a weird thing that the greater success you have academically, the greater success folks are having athletically. And they're usually tied together. Well, case in point. So a big part of my study program is the academic and the personal involvement, the the, the continued connection. So there's a string that a, that or a fence post. Imagine a fence post that the student athlete, the, the coach, the parent, the teachers are the fence posts. And the teammates are the thing that holds it all together, right? But if one of those fence posts goes down or goes missing, the, the whole foundation breaks down. So with teachers, what, what we found out was once a teacher tells you, you tell a teacher that your work matters, right? We want to make sure right. that your work and you are acknowledged. So one, we would always invite the teachers to our games, like personally invite them because, again, none of this success happens without them. But also it helped the teacher know whether the student athlete was, was getting their teaching, was the message being received. And then through all of this, I'm talking about Utah, Carolina, D.C., Texas, et cetera. No matter where I coached and no matter what sport, I won 79% of my games. Now, I'm not right. saying that the, the, the brag isn't in the, in, in the 79% or that I won them. I didn't win them. My teams won them. But what also happened was 79% of my student athletes carried a 3.5 GPA or higher. Like and right. I said, they said student athletes, and I said, well, first of all, again, that's their standard, not ours. The medium for most high schools in America is somewhere between forty-seven and fifty-two percent of folks above the three-point-five GPA. Just students in general, right. let alone student athletes. But what happened was we were winning seventy-nine percent of our games, and seventy-nine percent of our student athletes achieved scholar athlete status. Right. They weren't just being student athletes. I said student athletes is the basic. We want to achieve something greater than we want to be the standard setter. So you're right that as you commit and and are connected in your academics, then that reaches. Yeah, the you field. just you, it's no different than you're talking games versus practice. You're just talking about just fundamentals and habits. You you can't and it, you can't be a light switch. You know in you don't have to be 3.5 to have a correlation between how you do academically and how you play, but you have to give the same effort. School might just, you might not, you might just be doing enough in school or working hard enough in school to make sure that your grades are respectable. Say a B, right? Um, that, but you're not going, showing up to a game or a practice and you know you got five missing assignments. You know you have three F's 
Like, you you can't tell a kid, and this is why Nebraska, you know, as I said, when people ask me about it, it's such a you know great selling point because they actually are one of, you know, a lot of schools say they are involved in your academics. Nebraska's been ahead of the curve and really, really um, way ahead of people and true in their intentions of, helping people uh, better themselves through academics and hold them to an academic standard that's higher than they probably even hold themselves. And they see you see it with the academic All-Americans. Um, and, you you know, they're up there with the likes of Stanford and stuff is the number of having out there. So it, it's weird that once you realize and, and come to terms with time management, focus, and effort, and doing something, you know, even like if you want to break it down as, as simple as this, if you love football enough, you're going to have to do something that you don't necessarily like. Maybe it's school. I didn't particularly love school. I dealt with it, but once I got in there, I said, you know what, I'm going to do the best I can. Um, but it's not. So, I'd rather be watching tape or rather be hanging out, but I know i got to have my academics right. Then being in the business school, you got to be a little bit higher. So it's a sacrifice that you got to be willing to, to do in order to be successful. It's no different. You have to put time into it, energy, and focus. You do that, then you're not going to have to ramp up or okay, say, okay, well, 23rd hour chaos. I just decided, you know what, <laughs> I'm not going to go to school for the week because we were playing Michigan, and then all of a sudden, every time that I get in, in meetings, my mind is going to start to be firing, and I'm going to be fully attentive. Accountability. You're, it, you're, it, you're actually going to be a worse football player. Accountability. It was that if I knew, like, you and I go through a, a whole, we go through a month of, of camp. Right. And I begin to rely on you as my fullback. Right. Right. And I know that on the field you're going to be able to do the things and I need to be able to trust you. Right. But then I start to have to look over my shoulder, over your shoulder, to make sure that you're going to be academically eligible. Right. Or that you're not going to be academically in trouble. Now, if I'm connected to that and I'm actually paying attention, I then can say, hey, Jay, let's get this other thing right so that we can do what we do. Yeah. And that's the shared IQ thing. We said, uh, if there's a 4.0 student in in on your roster, and a and a 1.5 student on your roster, that 1.5 student should be leaning heavily on the 4.0 student. You should find a way to mix those two together. And I always say this about Coach Osborne, where yeah, he was a great X's and X's and O's coach, and sometimes a prophet. Sometimes it was telling us, <laughs> you know, he was talking about the Arizona State game is going to be the hardest game of the year. It's hard to get people to listen when you beat them. 77 21 but one of the best things that i think that he doesn't get enough credit for maybe i haven't heard it is that his ability to know each player right what their weaknesses or what their mm-hmm. strengths and weaknesses are mm-hmm. and what they really need needed added to them to become a better player in person and make making sure that they were in close proximity of that it's no different with academics than you're, you're it's the same thing like that's what i'm talking about in nebraska they they built a football team and a football program and a stadium. Like, a, you know, they're building a new facility, state-of-the-art. They've been constantly adding to their academic state-of-the-art, you know, building or stadium over the years. And they've kind of always adjusted and always have got kids to do more and push them academically because they knew that there's a straight correlation. You, your best availability is your – or your best ability is your availability. So whether you're hurt or academically ineligible, there's no different. You ain't there. And how can you – and I always talk to players about this. Never give a coach a controllable excuse not to play you. Whether well, you're underweight, out of shape, man. not lean enough, not big enough, not academically eligible. 
or do or make it hard for me to not love you to to not look like why give him an excuse not to play him the the guys at the 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 guys who i saw make academic growth also made the athletic growth it always happened because it freed them up but i also we we would do this as a part of the early season was okay so we would go into a room and let's say it was basketball and so we got 15 guys, and I've got a guy who uh, averages 15, 20 points, 15 points a game, but he's got a 1.9 GPA. And a guy who's, who averages seven points a game, but he's a 4.0 GPA. Who do I trust more? Right. And who is, when you're talking about a college coach, a college coach looking at those, put those things side by side. Right. This comes and down say, to money. Right? That. I'm not going to give you a quarter million dollar scholarship if I'm not sure you don't fail out because you're not fast or you're not strong. You flunk out because you don't manage your time and you don't have a plan for how you're going to get through academically. Like that's that's literally what it is. And you put said, listen, let's think. Where do you want to go to school? Most kids playing basketball, you know, Duke, right? Okay, so Duke's and and Stanford, right? Higher academic standard, right? You know that going in. Do you want to play that? Yes. What's going to be required? I'm going to need that 4.0, right? Forget about the, 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 the 12 points or the 14 points a game. You better have that academic stuff because they're no, you're talking about people's monies, and the quickest way for a coach to get fired is for him to throw scholarships away. Right, yeah. Or just dead weight on your roster. And you know one thing I you know um, about Stanford, Northwestern, and those type of schools, you know you got to have an academic GPA and standard, you know, like their lowest. But they know with their support, if you have the effort, you'll be fine. Where, where people run into trouble, it's no different. They they like the product, but they hate the process. They they like going out there running on Saturdays out the out the stadium, but they don't want to go to class like. How do you, I mean, it's weird thinking that it's no different than a, a guy that's, say, a backup and he thinks he's better than the starter, mm-hmm. but he doesn't play special teams. Mm-hmm. So, Or you're not a factor on special teams. So if I'm a position coach, how are you coming to ask me to play 65 plays a game on defense and you can't play five as hard as you can on special teams? Like, so you're going to play, I don't know how many times more plays than you play right now, and you're going to play at the rate that I need you to play? You're, you're, if you're not if you're not a factor, you should be. You, I mean, it's still football. <laughs> I mean, I'm. Bra- I'm I always feel like if you could break things down to the very, very simplest black and white things, it, it, a lot of people can understand it. You know, you can't just say, "Well, you don't play special teams." Okay, well, what does that mean? Do okay. I'm at special teams meetings. I'm in the practices. I do the drills. So he might think he's playing special teams. No. Are you a factor on special teams? Are, are okay. Once you're out there, are you making plays? Are you busting blocking assignments? Are you not covered in the right lanes? That's playing special teams, and it's, and it's not necessarily about block punts or, or tackles on because that's all relative. Because you could be doing your job and they keep running, you know, a punt return away from you or kick. They hardly return the ball now and stuff like that. But are you a factor on special teams? Are you a leader? Are you in the first or second line when it comes to running the special teams drills? Because if you're asking me to play on defense, right? Now, granted, if you're making plays, I got to consider it regardless. But we wouldn't be having this conversation if you already were doing it. Because there's not a coach out there that doesn't want to play good players. 
Well, it, it becomes, yeah, that's the weirdest it, thing. Like, don't like there is some bias. Now let's let, let's be honest. But the, you, you you coach Osborne are gonna say, well, I don't want to play any of my good players. I mean that you're not making sense here. Like you get what I'm saying. I, I love that. So there's a thing again. We would meet the parents like first day. As soon as you made the team, you can meet with the parents, and they say, ah, coaches shouldn't have favorites. And I said, that's the greatest lie in all of sports. I do have favorites. I have favorites who are the, the kids that I can trust. Those are my favorites. Those are my favorites. Yeah. It's not the fastest kid. It's not the strongest kid. You know what? It's the kid I can trust to show up on time, take care of his business away from the field, be a good teammate, be a good human, all of those things. And then, right, when it comes time to make a decision that, hey, I need a lead blocker on the most important play we run. Can I count on this dude? Am I going to put – Give that responsibility to somebody I don't trust, or am I going to give that to somebody that I have, I know they will find a way? Oh, Jay's going to find a way to block hook or crook, right? Well, yeah, it doesn't well, really matter. Yeah, are you going to be the guy that where 10 guys go left and you accidentally go right and say, I didn't know, my bad? Are you are you that guy? You, like, it, it, But then also it comes from <laughs> if you're that guy, then you're that guy in practice. Yeah. You're that guy in – and, you know, when you're out running around, you're that guy. My kids in, in, know in, this one, Jay. When they say, my bad, they say, kids, what does that mean? My bad means I'm on my bench. Right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, or you, you know, you're, that, you're that guy in practice. And so, um, you know, whether it's academics or or football, I mean, you got to work hard at it. I mean, the, the, the bowling coach was in here. He's like, it's fundamentals. It, I mean, your fundamentals in, in academics is – how you go about studying, how you go about studying each subject, and how much time and detail do you put into it? Do you finish every practice exam, or do you think, oh, I got it? Well, they're not obligated to to give you the same questions on the on the real test versus the practice test. So if you miss 10 questions or don't do 10 of the last questions because you think you got it, you might need five of those questions to make sure that you're at your academic standard or whatever you need to, to continue along the process. And so do, are you a finisher? Or are you a guy that's always, you know, a foot or two in front of the line? Oh, that dude. Yeah. That dude. Oh, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, it does make a difference. Don't get to the line, dude. Because that's the same dude that when it's 50-50 balls, doesn't doesn't finish the 50-50 ball in practice. And then in the game, he stops. The guy catches it. He scores, yep. and you're like, how did that happen? He ain't getting it, man. He understand what it is. Um, from the text line, a couple of things. Ohio Husker says they want uh, 1100 for U10 baseball. Um, that's a high price for nine-year-old kids to play like ball. I absolutely agree with you. Uh, there are other options in town, but it's a choice you have to make. Yeah, ab- absolutely true. Um, it is there. Uh, Jeff's on the Honda Lincoln Hotline. Let's go to Jeff. Jeff, what's up? Man, guys, I've been driving around listening to you guys for like 30 minutes, Jay, perfect segue about youth baseball. I was in Lincoln for 33 years and moved out to California and coached varsity football and then took over a head basketball coach. And, you know, DP, I love how you, what you talk about getting the kids ready and stuff like that. I can remember I had uh, – I coached at Rio Linda. We won a section championship in football. And I'd always go to our head coach and say, hey, why are we suspending this kid or whatever? Well, you know, we wouldn't have had anybody left to play, but we did a lot of the things that you guys talked about. The, the thing that I love about um, that you said about travel baseball is all these kids that play travel baseball play one sport. They play it all year round. And by the time my son was a very good athlete, he was, he, he was a second team receiver, all California. 
got very sick his junior year, had a very rare autoimmune disease. But all the kids he played travel baseball with were burned out. Mm-hmm. And one thing I don't think you guys have touched on yet, and I think it's uh, – I'll, I'll take AAU basketball and travel baseball. Mm-hmm. Is these kids play so many games, 60, 70 games, that if us three went and played them at the YMCA, we'd beat them every time because when it was when it was 14 to 14, we know how to beat them. Right. The thing with these kids with travel ball is they don't know how to win. Right. Because when they're done playing and they lose, uh, you know what, we got next weekend. Yep. No big deal. Yeah, that's, um, that's, the one that's thing fact. that I will say, you know, I had, we were 1-26 and 26 when I took over the basketball team. The next year we were 14-13. and 13. Um, I brought the kids in together. We had a, a dinner, um, and we did fundraising. And one of the moms, we were just north of Arco Arena, and the mom had tickets to the Kings when they were bad, and we we could fundraise for shoes. And one of the kids didn't want to do it, thought it was stupid. And and one of the moms came back and took him out, and he ended up making enough money to pay for all of his shoes. And, and you know, just the work ethic of, I think sometimes AAU basketball is they get everything for free that they don't want to have to work for it when they get to the high school level. But the last thing I want to say that DP that I, I agree with you, um, I had eight black kids, three white kids, and three Hispanic kids. I only had three fathers, so I didn't have to worry about parents complaining much. <laughs> but my little my little white kid was my guard, and all of a sudden we got on a tear. We finished second in our league. We made the tournament, and the first period coach. Uh, called me and said, hey, I just want to let you know that um, he's missed 16 classes in a row. Mm. And I said, I asked the teacher, I said, hey, that, that's great, I'll, I'll take care of it, but let me ask you a question. When I have problems with Cody in practice, do I call you as the first period teacher and take care of it? And like you said, DP, we invited all, we had a teacher day where they wore their, you know, their jerseys or whatever and came just to make them a, a part of it. And, and the thing that, that um, I was out there for 23 years, the thing that I can say the most, that it doesn't matter about wins or losses or anything like that. When I was moving back to Nebraska a year ago, uh, I, one of my point guards, his mom um, was an escort, and I had to get – uh, Deshaun was in Juvie Hall the Wednesday before um, Thanksgiving, and they were going to put him in foster care. And I went to the – I went to the um, – uh, attorney and said, hey, this boy's not going to make it in foster care. Let him come live with my wife and I, and we'll take care of him. And long story short, as we're driving back uh, December 2020, I'm, I'm, I choke up a little bit here, but I'm in Salt Lake City, and the kid calls me. He, he could have been an all-Pac-12 defensive end. He, the kid was just a stud. And he calls me on Thanksgiving. He says, Coach, I want to tell you the one thing that I appreciate about, about you. I have a little boy now. I'm a lineman for an electrical company, and without your discipline and making me do the right thing, I would have never done this. And from about Salt Lake City to uh, Park City to the Wyoming border, I just had tears coming down my eyes. So, you know, I love what you guys are saying. It doesn't matter about wins or losses. What it matters is about touching these kids individually, one-on-one. And I, uh, you guys, man, what a great segment. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Jeff. Uh, yeah, kudos. This is big stuff in there, man. It's uh... Kudos to what you do, man. Kudos to what you do and how you do it. We'll throw the break. We're not done with it because there's more to talk about. Stay with us here on Old School. You're listening to Old School with DP and J. Download the mobile app and listen wherever you are on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. 
Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.